What's going on, Mighty Warriors? I'd like to invite you to take a seat and listen up while I share some life experiences that can help you go from merely surviving to thriving. Welcome to Thriving in the Trenches. What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another episode of Thriving in the Trenches. This is going to be part two of a three-part interview with Jules. And uh, if you missed last week, I'd highly encourage you to go back and check it out and get caught up. And without further ado, we'll jump right into it. And um, I met someone else and I met um, I met um, my wife now, Michelle. And hey, she's been... Be- before we go too much further, I just wanted to see if we can like step back real quick and just pick apart, not pick apart, but just like explore a few things that you said, man. So um, if you don't mind, right. like if, if it's not too intrusive of a question, but you know, at a young age, you witnessed some horrible trauma with your father, like him having his being bashed with a sledgehammer and losing him and then finding out on TV, man, like Obviously, like you said, at that age, you you found out and you talked with your your family and you went to bed crying for about a year. But what kind of what kind of effects do you feel that that carried with you as you became an adult? Like, do you feel like there was a lot of things wrapped around that situation that that negatively impacted you as you as you grew up, like adolescence and being a young adult? Yeah, great question, man. Um, yeah, so. Definitely, I, I, I um, you know, I've, I've looked back at that and to do, and done some work and distinguish some things. So, um, one of the feelings that I had back then was I'm, um, I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I was effectively like the the, I was like the little dad in the house, man. I uh, uh, when I was six, I used to say mm-hmm. to my mummy, "You cry." because you're upset or you're crying because um dad has died or are you crying because you just want a cup of tea and she said i'd love a cup of tea so i used to boil the kettle make teas at the age of six change my sister's nappies you know i was like the little dad you know like trying to help mom out but absolutely um, but i remember i remember feeling yeah i'm on my own i'm alone and um and particularly um through high school as well being you know, i felt like i was an outsider mm-hmm. and one of one of the things that emerged from that is being a people pleaser and yeah, and, yeah. and trying to you know it, was, it became like a relentless force for me of of seeking validation from community look yeah. i've I've got this thing. Have I done well? Oh, yeah, you've done so well, Jules. But it was never enough, right? Mm-hmm. It was it, no matter how many times people could say that, it was never enough. Oh, I've done this. I've been promoted. Is that good enough? Oh, yeah, you've done a great job, Jules. But this seeting validation from right. others definitely really strong for me um, from just being in a like a bedroom and crying, man, and yeah. crying myself to sleep and feeling like I was on my own and I, I'm. Um, I needed to do something to get affection Mm -hmm. and I can I can definitely relate to that I mean I don't remember if you I don't know if you remember our original conversation and me sharing my story but that was the same thing like never enough and so it worked if I achieved this goal then maybe I'll be something and it wasn't so achieve the next goal and then try the next goal and so it served me really well professionally but at the same time I, I was just never enough and it was one of the most challenging things to overcome man and, and I agree, right? And, and I think what my, my experience is that led me down a destructive path. Like, you know, 
trying to um, put my family under that much pressure to get that car, that much pressure to get that boat. And no one else gives a toss, man. Um, mm-hmm. To live in that suburb, you know, to be this way, to be a great guy that's always helping everyone else mm-hmm. now. And the pressure, the pressure that I put on myself, and then the, the, you know, some of the adverse effects of that on my family, on myself, on people around me. Um, yeah, I think it was profound. Um, and and I'm just uh, I'm trying to chase, uh, you know, this this thing of I'll be happy when is just bullshit. It's yeah. utter, utter nonsense. And it's taken me a full 40 odd years to figure out that every time I'm going, I'll be happy when I've got that GoPro. I'll be happy when I've got that phone. I'll be happy when I've got yeah. that car. I'll be happy when, we, when we're on that kind of holiday, you know, all of yeah. that stuff. It never ends, it's man. It's just flawed. Mm. you'll never be happy yeah it's a beast that that you you it's always hungry you can't satisfy that appetite man and i'm sure you could speak to this as well now but uh it really boils down to finding that that inner happiness that inner joy that inner validation being able to do it on our own and being happy in this moment with what i have right now and then those other things those other goals they're great to have but they just add to they don't they're not necessities for me achieving that that place of peace and contentment within myself, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's great, mm. man. I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Um, another question I had is, you know, you you talk about, and I, I think I kind of understand a little bit, but just to get your perspective on it, the the drive to chase like the specific things that you had, living in this neighborhood, having this vehicle, this house, like what influences do you think were in your life that had you create that specific picture? Like, was it a family that you knew when you were younger? Was it things you were watching on the television or like, how, how did, how did you craft that vision of what it, what, what it means to arrive, so to speak? Yeah, I think, um, so my mom on my granddad's side, on my mom's side, sorry. Um, my mom had, uh, uh, three uh, brothers and sisters so two brothers so in that in that family on my mum's side there was two brothers and two sisters and all of every each of them all all four of them had gone on to be successful in business mm. and had gone on to buy you know big big houses in the countryside they'd, and they'd all grafted for it without a shadow of a doubt they'd worked really hard um, to achieve it but they kind of fed off each other on my mum's side and so yeah. they were it, it, almost as, as an observer it felt like they were all trying to outdo each other with <laughs> yeah. like um t- t- trying to get nice houses down the countryside yeah and, yeah and uh and so that was the model i was like damn it i want to beat all of you that mm. it was like i i want to i want to retire earlier than you i want to get something that's better than yours it's it was almost like a competitive driving force of uh, watching my mom and her brothers and sisters yeah absolutely. Um, I can see that. They, they, yeah um and my uncle was an engineer so i um uh, my and my granddad was always really proud of my uncle who was an engineer with all these stories and i thought right i just want to um follow my uh, uncle and, and become an engineer and, and to take it from there hmm. no that's good man I, the reason i asked that question is because i know in, in my own past like just being able to pick out and see areas where as people, I think if we don't have our own clear goals and destination that we're going to, we we tend to take on other people's goals and other people's accomplishment, not their accomplishments, but what they're accomplishing becomes our goals because it's like, hey, that person's happy. 
or they appear happy and they're doing this thing, like I'm going to do their thing to see if it works for me or, you know, just kind of the, the influences around us giving our, our, us, our purpose and our goals rather than us, like setting it from what we have within. And so, um, I was just curious where that, where that drive initially came from you. Well, I think in, in, in Australia, because I wanted the kids to have the best upbringing that I could afford. And so when we moved here, I just wanted to rent in the very best area that I could rent in. Of course, what happens then is you're mixing with a whole bunch of doctors and lawyers and, mm. the, you know, fancy kids. And some of them are like, sorry, they're all beautiful people. Right, <laughs> but some of them are, are quite are quite grounded, and they mm-hmm. you know they don't pl- they don't play that game, even though they live in that suburb. But there's a hell of a lot of people who, are, you know, fancy cars and boats mm-hmm. and holy homes and stuff. And I was like, wow, I took it, you know it felt like this is what I need to do to feel respected mm-hmm. or accepted within the, within this community. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that's where you still are in terms of? feeling like you need to meet all these accomplishments to be happy or have you kind of sounds like you've you've made some changes and are finding some contentment with where you're at and still having goals for it yeah so um i think um i i i think what i um yeah what i wanted to share around that is when i met michelle she'd been a single mum for um for a couple of years and was really thrifty with her money and um and as soon as I met her and, you know, rather than just buy new everything, um, she would always go onto like Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace, and buy secondhand mm-hmm. stuff and get stuff for free and bird shopping and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, and, and I, I was like, wow, this is a, just a completely different way of life. And, and it really gelled much better with who I actually am. And, and so I just sold everything, man. I sold the boat, I sold the car. I paid, and I remember page for like eight or nine months of just selling stuff and downsizing and simplifying and i remember calling my dad and uh, dad actually getting quite tearful um so, so my stepdad colin and he's, he's beautiful i had problems with him when i was a teenager but ever since he just completely shifted who he was when i was like 16 17 well, and i've got great. a br- brilliant i've got and i've got a brilliant relationship with him and uh, yeah. yeah i remember talking to him and i said dad i've got some great news and he says what's that son i said for the first time since i was 18 years old i actually have paid off every single one of my debts i don't have any credit cards loans nothing like Man, nothing I've, I've, I've not borrowed any and he was um he was like choked up and he was like so stoked for me and he just um it was like when your kids take a long time to learn some really important lessons mm-hmm. and he, he was way he was way more tough with that than anything else that i'd really done mm-hmm. you know that i'd actually just um finding content and happiness with a lot a lot less rather than chasing you know because yeah. he, he knows it's a relentless game absolutely man that's great um yeah so that's i think that was uh that's probably one of the uh, has to be one of the top five things I've ever learned in my life. Really, around that. Mm. Um, however, I still have the pull, man. It's sort of like, geez, <laughs> it's 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 a still, uh, you know, oh, that's a nice car, and like I can yeah, feel yeah. myself going, wow, I really want that thing, and, and it's something. Um, and I see I've got a few younger mates than me, you know, maybe like eight, nine, ten years younger and they're still playing that game and i'm like bro it is not gonna make that car is not gonna make you happy because as yeah. soon as you got it 
you'll want something that's bigger and faster and better. And then yeah. when you've got that, you'll want something that's bigger, faster and better, you know? Yeah, it's an endless pursuit, man. Like, it just keeps on going. Yeah. No, that, that's really good, man. And I think that's important for people to hear, too, is we, we think reaching a status or gaining enough things is going to be what, what ultimately brings happiness. But, you know, I've heard it said before, if, if it, let's say just talking about I have a big red truck, a four wheel drive truck, and, and I love it, but it's a little bit old, got some miles on it. And, you know, if I, I've looked at new trucks and I'd like to get a new truck, but getting a new truck isn't going to make me happy. If I'm not happy now with what I have, then I'm going to have the exact same problems in a new truck. Whereas if I'm content with this one and I'm good to go and I have some practical reasons why maybe it's time to invest in a new one, then I get that new truck. I think I'll, I'll be all right. You know, I'll be able to truly enjoy it, but just getting that truck is not going to fix who I am or what I'm going through. The problems are with us, not with the cars we drive or the house we own or any of that stuff. So, yeah, for sure, man. It's good, man. I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. There were a, a couple other questions and like, man, you, you hit on a, a lot of great stuff. And so I want to kind of keep us on the track that we've been flowing on. Um, just in terms of as an adult, like, I guess if, if, if you're willing to share, when you talked about the breakup of your, the collapse of your first marriage, you said you had to take ownership for, for your part. So if, if you're okay sharing, like what were some of the specific things that you that you did to contribute to that collapse? And then what have you done to overcome those things to prevent the same situation moving forward? Yeah, look, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, I've done a lot of work over the last five years, a lot of growth work, a lot of mm -hmm. self-development, a lot of um, introspective, um, a bunch of work with the organizer, Landmark, where I ended up doing some coaching with them as well. And, they, um, and you know, there's a few personality traits without a shadow of a doubt that I've got, right? That, <laughs> that I, I can see where they've been destructive, man. And, mm. you know, um, being, being controlling, definitely. So, you know, the ways, the ways that I were in my first marriage, and if, I, if you ask my uh, wife now, uh, Michelle, she'd go, oh, he's definitely still like that. <laughs> he's still there. He's still there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's still, it's, so it's still stuff I have to work on, man. But, um, you know, controlling and being righteous about stuff, like, no, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and being um, arrogant as well and, and, and a bit, condescending in that like um mm. you know the and, and i can do all of this without saying anything and just moving my eyebrows yeah yeah you know yeah, so um you know my, my yeah my wife would have the experience of like me just looking at her like oh my god how can you be so dumb like you know mm. that's the um you know how can you not see that that would happen like why have you done that like and, and it will just come across in my body language man and, and it leaves the other person feeling like um that they're never good enough so i'm a perfectionist mm. as well and mm. so the problem with being around a perfectionist is that no matter what you do it's never good enough right, right. um i can do it better um <laughs> yeah or just i just or i've always had to it's almost like um you know the perfectionist comes from always wanting the best of something and to mm. it, and it comes with it what i've learned um which um what i've learned recently is that you could pick anything 
any personality trait, controlling, right? And I could list out 30 um, disadvantages of being controlling. Mm-hmm. And I could list out 30 advantages of being controlling. Mm-hmm. And there's, and it's the same with any kind of personality trait that um, there's a bunch of advantages for it. So, you know, whenever we get really pissy with our partners about, oh, my God, my wife is so, like, judgmental or something mm-hmm. or, or she's always, you know, I, I come up with a good idea and she, she actually says, no, that's not going to work because of this, 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 right? Well, you know, someone who – so my wife has a personality type called a, a judge, which is uh, Michelle's a judge, and I'm an inventor, okay? So I mm. come up with the, all these ideas, and then yeah. Michelle will come – she'll judge them and go, yeah, but have you thought of this and have you thought of mm. that? Now, you know, a mature view or, or a healthy rounded view, rather than go, oh, my God, you're such a – the way that we often see that as men is you're such a handbrake, whereas <laughs> actually when you look at – when you look at the positives in that, you're like, great, you've made me think about some risks I hadn't thought of before. Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a bunch there's a bunch of benefits to being a judge, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at times it's really and and it, at times it's really frustrating as well. There's a bunch of disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. You, you know? got to take the good with the bad, so to speak, man. Like there, but I think you two having those different personality types like really helps to probably balance each other out. I could imagine, right? Like, yeah, so long as you can be accepting of the 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 other person so that's who i was in my first marriage man i was sort of like like a bull at a china shop when i was like um you know yeah kirsty i remember something about um with her car she'd negotiated a new role a new manager role and it came, it should have come with the car and it didn't and i was hounding her every day for like a year going, have you sorted out the car yet have you sorted out the the mm-hmm. you know the free car that you're getting with work have you asked them about it i, I was i was that kind of like um, controlling and demanding mm-hmm. I think in, in my first relationship and, and not all the time and because my friends would look back and go but Jules you're a great dad and you're a great partner mm-hmm. um, but I know I know on reflection that sort of um, that's the way I could be and arrogant condescending righteous um, things like that man and I think it got to the point with Chris and I that we just um, we it got to the point um, where we were just like brother and sister living in a in a house. There was just mm-hmm. no affection. I, I yeah, think no real intimacy there. Yeah, and the, but the intimacy, you know, we often think that oh my god, my, my partner's not giving me any intimacy. However, absolutely, men we contribute to that for sure. You mm-hmm. know, so there's um, so it always takes two to dance. It really yeah. does, and and I kind of and, and that's what I mean by the breakdown in my marriage. That you know there was no intimacy there um, in the end, but we, I would have contributed to that over a period of years in some of mm-hmm. the behaviours I was exhibiting as well, and that had her feeling not, you know, not not loved, appreciated, or not respected. Um, mm-hmm. At, at various times yeah 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 no it's good man what was what was the length of time between your your divorce and then you're getting married this round that's going to be it for this one folks figured i'd leave it with a bit of a cliffhanger there and uh tune in next week for the third and final part of this interview and uh hope you enjoyed it take it easy Hope you folks have a great week and know that as you sit right here, right now, that you are enough. You have inherent value that cannot be taken from you. You are loved, you are appreciated, and no matter what you do, it will not take away from the amazing person that you are. That's all I got. Have a great week.